I appreciate your welcoming us to be here today. And um, yeah, I just hope that you get something out of this and are encouraged and, and um, that wherever you are, you know, serving in your life and in your ministry that um, you can be encouraged today. So I've got some slides um, and after, at one point, you're going to get the pleasure of being able to hear this lovely lady's testimony. Um, but first of all, I just want to give you a little background of who we are, where we come from. And um, so we are Steps Ministries. Um, we're currently operating under a church called Gary Free Methodist Church. They're our covering church. And, uh, but currently we're transitioning to being under Christians United for Buffalo and being our own um, 501c3 faith-based nonprofit which is like a big deal for us. Um, But we're a Christian community dedicated to living simply and proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. This community is incarnational in that our staff and interns live in the wider community that we minister to. We are committed to the apostles' teaching, prayer, and fellowship. Our goal is to reach those who have not been reached by the traditional church. Our outreach is designed to transcend cultural boundaries by being expressed through our ordinary lives. And in that, we're partnering with with churches. And actually, your church is an answer to my prayers because I've been in the country for 12 years and in all that... And I've... um, And I've been praying for healthy... Bible-believing churches to be born up in this area, particularly in South Buffalo, Lackawanna, and um, we even have um, young people that come, that we pick up from Lackawanna to come to Steps sometimes, and um, so we're just praying for this whole area, and um, this church is an answer to our prayers, so um, next slide, please. Um, This is a scripture that I'm going to read for you that really has... Um, has kind of shaped who we are. And it's Luke 14, 15 to 24. And um, Jesus is at a dinner party, which he often is at. And uh, we want to thank you that you are going to be cooking a dinner for us. Um, Last year was phenomenal. I think we fed like 100 people. And it was just great to get families that were in walking distance in our community to our building, just to see, to see what it is, to, to go in the door and be able to see, oh, this is actually you know, a ministry center, there's, there's programs here, there's things, there's services here that I can um, use, and also there's a message here too. And um, that was awesome. But Jesus often was at people's houses for dinner and just that's where he ministered. He didn't always, he wasn't always in the churches and you know, the synagogues, obviously there weren't churches back then, but um, that's where his ministry took place. And uh, if you're able-bodied, please stand for the reading of the Lord's word. Now, when one of the, those who had sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. 
and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they, are, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have brought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I asked you to have me excused. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them, but I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and there is still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of the, those men who were invited shall taste my supper. You may be seated. The people that were invited all made excuses one after the other. One had um, assets and possessions that he had to take care of. The other had business deals he had to take care of. Um, the other had, uh, had to deal with family issues, but they couldn't come to the most important event that was happening, this, the king of kings having this, this banquet. And um, it just strikes me that this master says to the servants, I want my house to be filled, and I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. And really, that's my heart, that's my passion is that I love, I love everybody and I want, I want to draw people into the kingdom of God. And so we see ourselves as a bridge from the streets to the body of Christ because, because that's what this, this master did. He said, go, and I'm one of the servants. I'm going out into the streets and lanes of the city. I'm seeking those who are outcasts of society, just come in. Come into, the, come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. You can start a new life. And Ruth and I have seen the most degrading brokenness in so many different families. But God doesn't say, oh, you, you're not together, so you can't come into the kingdom. He just says, come, all of you. And I'm not saying we're starting a blind ministry where we're trying to find people who are blind and crippled and maimed. That's not the point. But these, are the, these were the, the outcasts of society. These were the people that society had put to the side and said, we just don't want to deal with you. But Jesus tells us to go to them. And so, you know, that's what we do. That's our heart. So um, God says... I want my house to be filled, no matter what. So we've been in operation since 2005. Um, we have full use of a building uh, that is right in the heart of our community in, this, in Seneca Babcock. It's known as Babcock, as many of you know it. And um, it used to be called Teen Haven. It used to be a ministry center since 1970. 
and um, we took over and we've been ministering in there and um, this year we'll be owning the building ourselves and it's just such an amazing thing because it's been a long time coming and a lot has happened to get us to that point but it'll be ours we'll be able to do what we need to do with it um, but uh, the, the organization that has owned it has graciously over all these years given us rent-free use of it. And it's also where Ruth and I have our home. We came with the name because we prayed into what God wanted us to do in the community. We didn't want to just come into the community and just say, oh, well, here's all the programs and things that we've done in the past, so let's just do them in this community, and then, bam. We wanted to pray and just say, God, what do you want for this place? What's the point of this place? And God gave us a vision to reach out to these kids that were out on the steps of the church across the street. They weren't going inside and worshiping. They were sitting outside and smoking and drinking and up to no good. And we just said, like, those are the ones we want to reach. And um, over the years, God's let us do that in many different ways. And um, we felt that God was calling us to provide a space for them to give them hope and something to do with all this time on their hands. Thus, Steps was born. Next slide. So the need is great. So every community is made up of families, right? And when families are broken, there's a broken community. So we have... So families are facing poverty. Uh, mostly single-parent families. I mean, it's very rare. A lot of the kids say to me, Oh, you live with your girlfriend, Ruth, right? I'm like, no, actually, we're married. You're married? You know? Um, and there, there's a lot of opioid addiction, alcoholism, <coughs> domestic violence. But, you see, when, a, when parents face these things, the children face these things. And um, the children uh, that I've seen firsthand are facing uh, poverty, poor dental hygiene. Some of the kids have, like, replacement teeth already, and they're, like, seven, eight. Um, poor literacy. Um, one, one of the lads that comes to our jam club on Fridays, um, he was really, really struggling with reading, and we sit down with them and read with them every week. Every week, all of them have to do it. And we just go through the words, one by one, just reading them out. And um, he, he got an improvement in reading award last, like, last semester, and it was awesome. Um, there's a lot of obesity and just unhealthy nutrition and, and just lack of role models. And so we're trying to address some of these needs. Um, so we offer a weekly after-school program, uh, a weekly youth and young adults group, Camps and events for youth, emergency need pantry, emergency housing, mentoring and discipleship, and the school bus lounge and family breakfast. Um, and the most recent thing is that we're employing, well, right now we're employing one of the um, people in the community to come in and do some cleaning in the building and just trying to give her a, a, just a really a good way of earning just a little bit of money. I mean, it's not much, but... Um, just to try to give her a, a good, healthy thing, way of earning. And we're, by faith, um, we've actually just signed on one other person to do it too for an hour a week. And 
Um, Anne can attest, she's back there. Um, we do a lot of things by faith financially, but we see a need and it's like, we've got to do this. Just, it's just, that's what we do by faith. Um, and so, next slide. So, one of the things we do is Jam Club on a Friday after school. Um, and we do it in collaboration with another ministry in the area called Promise Valley. And um, we have, uh, next slide. We do reading with the kids, as I said. Like, everyone has to do 15 minutes of reading when they first come in. Um, we do uh, a snack, Bible memory, scriptures, scripture singing, um, a lesson from the Bible, and lots of good behavior incentives. Um, just to try to help them to focus. Um, this is our snack time. Um, just some of the kids that come. And um, we teach them in two different groups. We take the olders into one room and do a teaching. And then we bring, then we switch them out. And the youngest go out and do the lesson. And the others do an activity. So we, we do try and help them be less distracted, you know. Um, but it's such an awesome thing and even though it's really hard sometimes and the kids sometimes are really badly behaved I'm not going to lie um, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's very I know that it's making an impact and a difference and usually when the parents come in that's when we really big up the kids and we're like oh the kids did so great today and we try and get the parents to come up on the mic and like say something encouraging to the kids that doesn't always happen but <laughs> Um, we also have a youth group which meets on Saturday nights. It's, um, it's a very wide range of, of a group. It's 12 all the way to 25. And um, at the beginning, we ha share a meal together. And then we have um, activities and games. And then, af and then after that, we split them up for the Bible study section. So they have a bit more age, age focus, but there's still quite a wide age gap. It's... 12 to 16, and then 17 to 25. Um, but we realize that the, the young adults in our neighborhood, they really need something. And so usually youth groups end at 18, but ours doesn't. <laughs> it goes all the way. And I'm um, just providing support and training and help. And just an, a funny example is that there's a lot of people that, um, girls that have asked us if they can learn to drive. And so Ruth has been teaching about five people how to learn to drive recently while fully pregnant. <laughs> and just um, one of the girls recently got her license, which is pretty amazing, and I'm proud of her. Um, next slide, please. Um, yeah, just a couple of pictures of youth activities. All right, so this is something that is our most needed um, volunteer op opportunity right now, which I really want you guys to think about, is that... Um, Ruth opens up the building on Tuesday mornings for um, people gathering at the bus stop to be able to come inside and sit down and just wait for the buses inside. In the wintertime, it's, it's vital because they're out in the corner in like zero degree weather and, you know, just a lot of people don't have like really good coats and really good... Uh, winter wear. So she'll, she'll open the building and they'll be able to sit inside 
and just get away from the weather while they wait for the bus for a little bit. And it's an amazing ministry because, to be honest, all the pro other programs we do, that's where most of the ministry happens because there's people just sharing their lives with us and just giving and just saying, like, hey, this is going on in my life. Um, I just got evicted. Or I just broke up with my boyfriend of, of 15 years and now my, you know, we don't have anywhere to live. Things like that. Like, that's where we really hear the needs of the community and these these mothers, they just love Ruth. They just really love her. And she really connects with them. But right now, we need help. Like, this is Tuesday mornings from, what, 7 to 9? Yeah. And, like, we need help. Like, we don't have, none of our volunteers are able to make it. And all you have to do is just show up. And do you want to say something for that? Yeah. It's really simple. Um, basically, all you got to do is be downstairs and just talk to people <laughs> and listen. Um, my goal is to have it Monday through Friday. Right now, I just have it on Tuesdays. I would love to have it in the morning and in the afternoon. It's just a way to talk to people. Very simple. You don't really have to do much. If they want a cup of coffee or they want to go to the bathroom, all you do is just listen to people. Right. And that's really, that's really the, the, where ministry starts. But I would just say Ruth is going to have a baby next month. And it's really a lot for her, even just to go up and down the stairs, open the door, set the chairs outside. It's just, I would just really ask for you to just pray about, could you just, is that something that you could help us with and just contact us, all right? Um, uh, next slide, please. And also, there are some times when we just, we just have a need of housing. Like, there are lots of, homeless 20-somethings in Buffalo. I don't know if you guys knew that. But it's not that they're just sitting out in the street corner, you know, with a cup, begging or anything. They're just going house to house. They don't have a fixed abode. And that's something where sometimes we'll meet somebody that just needs a place to sleep for a night or two or, and we'll make a way. Like, it's not always easy. We don't always have, like, a lot of space, but we tried to set aside a room that they can stay in. Um, so, a couple more things. Next slide. Uh, oh, yeah. So, one thing we need right now is hats and gloves because we hand out tons and tons of hats and gloves. You know how kids are, they lose gloves all the time. And it's just one less thing for parents to think about, you know. Oh, my kid's going to school today with gloves on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know as a parent, I'm like, where are his gloves? Where are his socks? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just like, we just want some kids' gloves, particularly kids, but also adults, just some gloves, hats, that we can just hand out to people in need. Also, um, we've got this emergency need pantry that we use to just give out. If we hear of a need where somebody just needs some food or somebody needs some baby supplies, um, we're just, we collect um, diapers, wipes, and um, toiletries, and non-perishable goods that can last a long time, um, and we just store it, and then if a need arises, we just make up a bag and send it down to someone. Um, and this is really something that is really important to us, because our, 
our philosophy of poverty alleviation. There are lots of inner city ministries that, you know, they do a lot and they have tons of different things that, you know, they do. And you might look at this and say, well, you know, you only do a few things. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you try and do too much, you actually end up not alleviating someone's poverty because you're actually, you're actually turning it into a handout thing where you're just constantly like just giving out and the heart, of, the heart of meeting needs and poverty alleviation has to be this right here. We believe in showing people the value that is in them because they are a person made in the image of God. So instead of just saying, you're poor, so I'm going to pity you and give you something, it's, I'm going to give you this because I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe you, you can go out there. You can get a job. You can provide for your family. You do have gifts and talents. And that's part of this, um, just this cleaning job is trying to kind of ignite that. And we also do talent shows where we just get the kids to sing and recite poetry and, and just do creative things and just say, look, look how talented you are. Band practice. Look, let's work on this. Let's work on that. Let's work on your piano skills. And then just saying like, look, you have so much in you. You can, you, all you have to do is just go out there and use the gifts God's given you and you can provide for yourself. God will provide for you through, through those talents and gifts. You're not stuck in a system of what's always been, been given to you, what, the dysfunction that's just been handed down from your parents. You don't have to live in it. And so, as the song goes, let the poor say, I am rich. Material poverty may seem like a permanent reality for many people, but the truth is, it's temporary. One way we help young people to change their mindset is by encouraging creative, creativity and ingenuity. Another way is by helping with literacy and encouraging them to strive for educational goals. But let me tell you this, that is not the end goal of the ministry. The end goal of the ministry is save the lost at any cost. The heartbeat of our message is Jesus Christ crucified and risen again from the dead. So even though there are many good things we try to do to meet needs, that's just the step in the door. We want people to come to know the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're partnering with churches and not with the government. So um, all, all of our um, donations that we, that we get um, are used for the ministry. And um, Anne will be able to tell you, she's right here, just all that goes into all that. But she does a great job of just helping us keep all of our ducks in a row financially. But we do encourage you to just think about how you can um, give to steps to help us continue the work that we do. Um, but I did tell you I would, I would get off the podium. So um, I'm just going to let Ruth just share how STEPS has impacted her life and the way that she, that God has used, used the way that God has saved her. So go ahead, honey. Do you want to sit? Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> I'm going to sit down too.
Um, thank you, Ben. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. And um, when uh, Ben asked me to share, I kind of prayed about what I should share about. And I want to talk about how God has used steps to transform me. But I want to talk about faith, too, and how I even landed up at steps. Um, I will try to make it brief and hopefully... Oh, can you hear me? Okay, that's better. So, basically, I'm going to start a little bit about um, my childhood. I'm not going to go too much into it. Um, but when I was about 18 years old, my dad passed away. And before that point, you should know, God really at a young age spoke to me. And he... I knew that God was real, and um, he just impacted me in a really powerful way. And when my dad died, right before he died, we had some just rough stuff that happened in our relationship. And when he died, I was so angry with God. And um, at that time, I was going to NCCC, and God just... <laughs> To me, it was just like this thing between me and God, and I just didn't know if I could even believe anymore. And um, when you have a relationship with God, it's like you can't get rid of it, you know? Once you have experienced God, it is so true that even if you don't want him in your life, he is always using people to speak to you. <laughs> and um, so when I was at NTRIP, I was on my way to a cafeteria, and basically, I seen this Bible study happening, and I thought, hey, I'm going to go get myself a cup of coffee and just sit down, and it had been maybe a week since my dad passed away, and um, something in me was like, you know what, you should go to this Bible study, and I was like, nah, I really, I don't really want to hear Jesus loves me and the whole nine yards, I already know this stuff. It was so persistent, so I decided to go. And I didn't know that that one small, tiny, little decision was actually going to change the course of my life. So I stepped in, I went to that Bible study, and I still felt really uncomfortable, not because of the people, but because of my relationship with God. I was angry that my dad died. And I thought that he should be living. And, but then something inside of me said, you know, you really should, you should come back. You should uh, talk to these people, give them a chance. My guard was really high up. And, and again, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, give this one girl who's reaching out to me a chance and talk to her. And I didn't know that that decision was going to alter my life. So we began to talk, and she invited to me to this place called Joshua Revolution. And she, she kind of was a little bit sneaky. She was like, it's all right. You don't have to have, like, a full thing with God. We just need security guards. <laughs> and so I went to Joshua Revolution as a security guard to help out, and God transformed my life. Just, like, just watching what God was doing to people just impacted me, and I didn't really go up to an altar call or anything like that, but it 
it affected me just watching it being a security guard for the event. And then I felt God say, I want you to get baptized. And I had already been baptized when I was a little kid, but um, I did it. <laughs> I went for it. I had no family, didn't know anyone. I just said, you know what? I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to make this decision. I really want to be sold out. I want to live the life that God wants for me. And he was setting seeds in me at that time, showing me that he's, he's going to change the course of my life. And um, so basically, you know, after that happened, um, I was working at this place called Tim Hortons. Who likes Tim Hortons here? Anybody? Tim Hortons people? <laughs> And I was working overnight shifts. I don't know if any of you guys have ever worked overnight shift, but for Tim Hortons, once you get stuck on an overnight shift and you're a good worker, they're not going to take you off. <laughs> and it's very hard to get off of overnights. And for the longest time, I wanted to get out of working overnights, but it never happened. And so when um, I was at... Um, Joshua Revolution, my friend Amanda invited me to Stubbs, and I just could not go. It was Saturday night, which is the worst. I worked every Saturday night, and um, I really couldn't go, but I really felt, you know, God say to go, and one week, I was like, you know, if this is a God thing, it'll just happen. One week, I worked too many hours, and they took me off the schedule for a Saturday, <laughs> and I wasn't feeling good, so I was thinking, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to watch a movie. And just chill out because I work all the time. And I really felt God say to me, you need to go. So I get to Steps, my first, you know, time there. I didn't know anyone except for the girl who had brought me. Just barely knew her by a couple months. And um, when I walked into the building, God said to me, this is your home. Now, I didn't know that I was going to end up marrying Ben or that I was going to live there or anything like that. All I knew is that I walk into this place and suddenly God says to me, this is my home. <laughs> and it was scary to go to Seneca Babcock because I grew up in Clarence and people told me false stories about how dangerous it is. <laughs> and so, of course, when you've never been somewhere and it's something new to you, you don't want to do it because it's something new to you. And when that happened to me, I didn't know what to do with it. I felt God say, you need to come here every single Saturday. But the problem with that is that, what am I going to do, quit my job? So um, at that time, I was working with this guy who was, um, he's a Muslim, he's really nice, we get along really well, and he was my manager. And I, I told him, I talked to him, I said, hey, look, Tim, I, I can't really explain this to you, but I can't work overnights on Saturday anymore. <laughs> and he just laughed. <laughs> and I said, I, God told me that I need to go to this ministry every single Saturday. And he said, Ruth, unless you're willing to give up your job, you're, you're not going to just get off Saturdays. And I said, I don't know what to tell you. I guess you're going to have to talk to the owners. Like, or I don't know how to set this up, but I'm requesting that I not work on Saturday. And that's what it's going to be. And so I left thinking I might not have this job <laughs> anymore because of 
what's happening. And um, so the next day, he calls me into the office and he says, I don't know how, but they're letting you off. We're going to train you to, to work in the mornings. And that was the deal. I worked Saturday morning, then I could have Saturday night off. And so I worked some overshifts, night shifts, and then some like in the day. And so my schedule was all over, but I had to be willing to take a pay cut. And you know what? That pay cut, as inconvenient as it was to me, was totally worth it. You know, I had my stuff that I needed to pay, and I didn't know how this was going to work out. I also didn't know how I was going to get to steps because I didn't have a vehicle, and I was saving all of my money and going to school and working. How is this going to work out? Like, my schedule was overmaxed. But God made a way. And I'm here to say to you, like, you know, when you hear, each of you guys hear God say something to you small, go for it. If it's God speaking to you and he tells you to do it, like, do it. And he will give you favor and he will pave the way for you. And then um, a couple, you know, after I did that, my friend Amanda said to me, hey, you know what? God just, he spoke to me and he told me to drive you every week until you have a car to steps so you can be a volunteer. And I did it. And then a couple months afterwards, I started to realize, oh, there's this really nice guy at Steps. <laughs> and he is single. <laughs> and I really didn't think, I know this is, sounds kind of crazy, but I was really jealous of Ben in a way that I had kind of, I thought, I had kind of walked away from God and he had this testimony where he had just been faithful. And I thought to myself, like, Man, I didn't really have that for a couple of times. I kind of made these decisions. I kind of doubted God. I kind of publicly denied God. And now God's bringing me back. And it was just like, who am I to really, you know, for God to even use me in this ministry or for him to even be interested in me in that way? But then, you know, he asked me out, and I felt God say, you know what, you like him? Go for it. Don't worry about you feeling like you're not good enough. Because if he picked you, then that's all that matters. And, um, and I really felt he was the right person. And then, I, then we got engaged. And when we got engaged, God said to me, Ruth, um, I want you to live in the building. And I thought, oh, wait, this is the part where I have my own little house and my own little apartment that's in the suburbs and not in Seneca Babcock. But you know what? God showed me that we needed to live there. And he also confirmed it to Ben. And living at Steps has been the best thing for me. And I'll tell you this. When I came to Steps, I was 19 years old. <laughs> Just only 19. And when I got married to Ben, I was 21. And I, that at then, I really didn't feel like I had a clue. I had people coming up to me, asking me for marriage advice, asking me for parent advice, asking me about addiction advice. I never walked through that kind of stuff in my life, ever. And sometimes I would make mistakes that too harsh on people, not enough grace. Um, 
totally, you know, maybe like gossiped about something, like made, like along the way, I've just fell and fell and fell. And I asked myself, God, why do you even have me here? I, I don't have this training. I don't have this or that. But every single time God says to me, your life is a seed, Ruth. And if I call you to something, just do it. And so some of you guys, you know, it might not be steps, but your life is a seed and God's called you to something. And you know what that is. I don't know. Maybe some of you, God's called you to write a book or God's called you to work with kids in a different way or God's called you to be a chef or something. And it might look insignificant to other people, but you got to do it because there is no one else but you. He's given you that unique calling, not me. You know what I mean? I don't know what the plan that God has for me and where it's going to unravel or where it's going to go. All I know is that along the way, if you say yes and you obey, yeah, you're going to sacrifice, but faith without sacrifice doesn't mean anything. But sacrifice without faith doesn't mean anything. So it's so worth it to just to follow what God has to say. And you know what? You are going to make mistakes um, along the way, and you're going to feel, you know, like. But that's if we were perfect, then we wouldn't look to Jesus. And, uh, you know, a couple of things is um, when I, you know, was at Tim Hortons, eventually God called me to leave Tim Hortons. And uh, Amy's sitting here. I worked with her for a little bit. We had a coffee car. And I did not want to leave. <laughs> I just did not want to leave. My sus I had, you know, income coming in and favor coming in. And God kept saying to me, Ruth, time to go. Time to go. And I, because I didn't want to leave, God kind of had to force my hand in a way um, and show me that you, I'm calling you. I called you there for a while, but now I'm calling you to do this full time. And we, you know, took in a girl for a year. And you know what? That me giving up um, working with coffee, which I love, and um, taking in someone has been, was the best thing that happened to me. Not because we just took this person in, but it also, God dealt with me in my heart about so many things. And I realized it wasn't just about um, us taking someone in, but me learning things about parenting, me learning how to say no, me learning some of the things that um, conflicts and um, and things that I I did wrong. And um, I just want to encourage you that I really feel that there are some people in this room who feel discouraged. You feel like, you know, God, you called me to this, but I don't. You gave me this dream, but it's not happening. Maybe it's a small little seed like a Bible study. Maybe you're overcomplicating it. But God has a plan for each of you. And um, that's pretty much all I wanted to share. I just wanted to just encourage you, go for it.